We have a treat for you today. Um, we have Alan Black, who's going to be teaching today. Alan Black works for the London City Mission. He is a director of studies and deputy, deputy chief executive. Yes, that's right. So, Alan, welcome to Ecclesia. Thank you. Uh, you talked here about four years ago. Something like Pastor that. Pastor Rob yeah, said. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, on Philippians as well. On Philippians as well, wow. Different passage, yeah. Wow, so um, just going to have a quick, do a quick interview with you. Um, just want to ask you to share a, a quick Uber version of your testimony. And I had to ask my wife what Uber meant, and I'm like, uh, I know. <laughs> I'm a bit of an old fuddy-duddy. So, yeah, if you can... <laughs> um, yeah, okay, um... 15, 15 years old, um, I'm in a Methodist church. Um, we've got a new, a new minister from the West Indies whose sermons are engaging. Talked a lot about hypocrisy, and I used to think, yeah, absolutely right, I'm a hypocrite. I shouldn't be here. Let's go. <laughs> but he cornered me one day, said, it's about time you came for confirmation classes. And I didn't have the courage to say I wasn't interested, so I went along. And I was the only one there, and I didn't have the courage to ask any questions, but I began thinking, um, is there a God? But I was equally thinking, can you know God? And I just started reading the Bible. That's basically my story from Genesis chapter 1. And I began to discover... Adam knew God, Abraham knew God, Isaac knew God, Jacob knew God. Um, I began to realize that I was in trouble with God. Um, you know, the old thing, if I died, I wouldn't go to heaven. But that was, that was a reality yeah. for me. Yeah. And um, teenage boys, usual, usual problems. Um, it, brought, it was a few months before I was able to come to repentance but just um, overwhelmed with God's forgiveness and presence. So that's, that's very brief. Um, okay. I can give you more if you want, but that, that's, that's the gist of it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I was, I was enormously blessed, actually, because um, he started inviting young people to his house to read the Bible. And we started off with literally a handful, reading about four chapters a night. He wouldn't... He wouldn't lead. He was just there to facilitate. If yeah. people asked questions, he would um, tell a story generally. But that grew from five. We had um, a football hooligan came, and we had um, a girl who was a son, daughter of another minister who was red hot for Jesus, witness to everybody in a school. And... Um, you know, within a year, we had 40 people wow. there, wow. and, wow. Um, you know, it really got me into the Word of God. Yeah. Hmm. Okay, so um, what are you currently up to now within the mission and life and ministry um, and all that good well, stuff? Well, I, I, um, I work with Robin Ephraim and Phil, who was here last, last week, um, so in the training department, um, may I say... Um, we recruited Rob and Ephraim, I think about five, five or six years ago. I've been at London City Mission 14 years, and for me, it's the best thing we've ever done. They've been wow. absolutely fantastic to us, a real, real blessing. But not, I mean, not just in their gifts and their knowledge, but in their character and in their love and encouragement. And they've been amazing. So... Um, and I'm deputy CEO, which means when when the CEO is away, I'm acting CEO. Yeah, so um, that's where we wonderful, are. Wonderful, wonderful. Yeah. So um, how can we pray for you, uh, my brother? Okay. Um, let, let me let me engage with today's passage. Okay. So um, <clears throat> I've been teaching recently, and very struck by. Um, how Paul talks about the fruit of the Spirit. And when I think about the fruit of the Spirit, I, would, I think in terms of, I'd love, I want to feel loved. 
I want joy in my heart. I, I want people to be at peace with me and not aggravate me. <laughs> um, and so on and so forth. But it's not about that at all. It's about um, bringing love into your family and into your workplace and into your community um, and bringing joy and bringing peace and being patient with people. So that, I mean, that's, that's, I'd really love you to pray for the fruit of the Spirit to be more evident in me. Um, I'm, I know you're supposed to see it, but a big one for me. I've, I'm re I've just, just been reading, so I may bore you today, but I've just been reading about the early church and the, th the three great um, works were written on one virtue, and they were all the same virtue, and it was patience. Um, they believed in a God who was patient, Jesus' patience, and the church showed patience. That was what stood it out from the rest of the world. And I'm reading this thinking, I'm, I'm incredibly impatient. Hate traffic jams. <laughs> Hate computers that don't do what I want them to do. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that's, that's an area you can pray for them. Okay. Yeah. Let's mm. just quickly pray mm. um, before... Alan starts to teach. Uh, Lord, we just thank you for Alan, Father God. Thank you for London City Mission that has been running for around 180 years, Lord, bringing the gospel to London. Thank you, Lord, that there are people that are part of that, like Alan, Father God. Thank you, Lord, for his willingness to come and share his knowledge and Bible truths with us today, Lord. And we pray that it would bless us, Father. It would touch us, Father God. It would teach us and give us understanding that we would go on to exuberate wisdom, Lord. And Lord, I just pray for Alan, Lord, and I worked with a boss that was very impatient as a Christian as well, Lord, and everything had to be done in a minute. And Lord, I just pray for Alan, Father God, pray that you would give him that patience, Father God, that you would pour that upon him, Lord, that when he's stuck in traffic jams, he won't get upset, Lord. <laughs> when he's when he's at his computer, Lord, and trying to get it to do what it, it won't do, Lord, that you give him that patience, Father God, and, and all, all the other areas, Lord. And I just pray that you would just um, speak for him today to us, Lord, and um, that our ears and our hearts would be open to um, what you have to say to us today, Lord. Ultimately, you are speaking through. You will be speaking through him, Father God. So let us take that, meditate upon it, Lord. Let it not just fly over our heads and we forget it as soon as we walk out of here, Lord, but help it to be part of um, our weekly prayer, Lord, for ourselves and, and how it will, 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 will grow us, Father God. So, Lord, I pray those things in Jesus' name. Mm. So if you'd like to give Alan a round of applause as he gets ready to start, that'd be great. Great, thank you. Okay, um, our Bible passage today is um, Philippians 4. Um, verses 1 to 9. So let me, let me read that. Philippians 4, um, verses 1 to 9. Um, and my version might be slightly different. It's ye old NIV 1984. So I think uh, mine starts, therefore my brothers, but I think many versions now start, therefore my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, that is how you should stand firm in the Lord, dear friends. I plead with Euodia and I plead with Syntyche to agree with each other in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you, um, true companion, help these women who have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving. Present your request to God, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, 
If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Okay, so um, we're ready with the PowerPoint. Um, my, uh, your, your overall heading is authentic joy. Okay, so what I've gone for today is authentic peace. Um, but, next slide, what I feel is um, I'm in a bit of a minefield. Because uh, I saw Ephraim this week, and Ephraim's keeping his ear to the ground, and he's very deeply concerned about two sisters who are not relating to each other properly. And um, he's so concerned about them, he's named them to me. Um, so here's what he says. He says, I plead with you, Harriet, and I plead with you, Morena, agree with one another in the Lord. Be of the same mind. I'm only joking. I, um, I did see Pastor Ephraim this week. I did. And he's doing well, but he didn't say that. But I wanted you to feel the shock of this passage. Um, it's not unusual for there to be two sisters or two brothers in a church who are not seeing eye to eye and maybe who have stopped talking to each other. But to name them in public, why would you ever do that? You would, you would hope the elders would speak to them individually and talk about their problem, then try to bring them together. But you would do this behind the scenes, not up front. And it's not as if this is Paul's regular problem. I mean, sometimes he deals with some really serious problems. Writing to the Corinthians, there is a man sleeping with his stepmother. He knows who he is. They know who he is, but he doesn't name him. There are people in conflict who are taking each other to court, but he doesn't name them. But here... He names these two sisters, Euodia and Syntyche. Why? It, is, it has got to be that these are, if I can put it right, they're not periphery members of the church. It's not, you know, sometimes people have translated that as Euodius and you soon touchy. It's not as though here are two sisters with. Um, short tempers and sharp tongues. Um, there is something really, really serious here, um, presumably between two sisters who are key members, maybe leaders of the church. And the whole health of the church depends on them resolving their dispute. So I, want you, I just want to feel this is a really, really shocking passage. Now, um, what, what this passage is about, as far as I can see, is um, I think we've got another PowerPoint. Where, where are we up to? Yeah, next one, next one. Um, is it? They were, uh, here we are. Um, is, uh, okay, I thought there was one before that. Okay, that, that, okay that, that's, that's the verse I've been talking about. Next, what's the next one? Yeah, here we are. Okay, authentic peace. Christ's way of 
peace for an embattled church. Now, um, this has been a long series, I think, and I don't know, um, I've not been with you, but um, you go back to chapter one, um, you're aware that Paul is in prison. And if his preaching of Jesus as Lord in an empire that proclaims Caesar is Lord, if, if Paul's preaching is deemed seditious, then it means not just curtains for Paul, it means curtains for the church at Philippi. So back in chapter 1, verse 27, he wrote to them. Um, have, we got it? have we got it there? Um, next one. Uh, yeah, okay. He's writing to them. He's not sure what the future holds, whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence. He wants to know that they stand firm in one spirit, striving for, together as one for the faith of the gospel without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. So from chapter 1 through to chapter 4, this is what he's been talking about, about um, standing against opposition, not being frightened, standing together. And it's about standing firm in one's spirit and striving together as one for the gospel. And the key to that is um, having the mind of Christ. And what he's addressing here is not, not what's going on outside that threatens the church against which they're embattled, but what's going on inside. Um, you know, in, in your own personal lives, you've had a really rough day at, church, at work and everything's gone wrong. You feel under enormous pressure. Um, and then you come home and the kids are going crazy. And you're looking forward to this nice, peaceful evening and the house is in chaos and you become irritable with everybody. Um, oh, goodness me, there's gone my notes. Uh, all in the wrong order. Um, so it can be exactly like that in the church where you feel under terrible threat from inside and then you all fall apart inside. There is some who are more bold and confident and they're looking down on those who are fearful and fragile, this sort of thing. Become irritated with each other. So he's, he's emphasizing the key to standing firm against the opposition from the outside is to be at peace inside. And the key to that is his um, famous verse that he keeps quoting. So it's the next one. Um, um, have the same attitude in your relationships with one another. Have the same mindset, attitude as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used for his own advantage, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. That, that lies at the heart of this, this letter. And he's illustrated it. He gave the example of Timothy. So that's our, ne our next thing. But Timothy, he says, um, I have no one else like him. Um, where, where's have you got Timothy? Um, there we go, next, next one. I, um, I have no one else like him who will show genuine concern for your welfare, for everyone looks for their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. No one else like him. This is vitally important, but Paul is saying it's a very rare jewel. Or you've got Epaphroditus, another example. He gives an example of Epaphroditus, who, next slide, thank you, who um, was ready to lay down his life um, in serving Paul on behalf of the Philippians. And then next slide, he talks about Paul, Paul himself, who um, was willing to give up all his racial, ethnic, academic, social um, achievements, prestige, privileges, was ready to lose everything 
for the sake of Christ. This is, this is what Paul has been talking about all the way through. And now he's coming to our, ne our next slide. Thank you. He's coming to um, his, his summary verse, chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, whom I love and long for my joy and crown, this is how you are to stand firm. So everything he's been saying about the example of Jesus, example of Timothy, example of Epaphroditus, Paul's own example, this is how you stand firm. Not grasping greatness, but humbling yourself to be the servant of others. And now he's applying it to Odia and Syntyche. Be of the same mind. It's, it's, it's the same word again. He's saying to them, you Odia, Syntyche, stop talking about your rights. Stop standing on your pride and dignity. Stop saying, I'll apologize when she apologizes. Take the, take the form of a servant. Humble yourselves. Seek to be reconciled. Be willing to be wronged if need be. Um, serve each other um, in love. Have the same attitude. Okay, so that, this is, that's our introduction, just to get going. I've got th three, uh, next slide, where I've got, um, what we're going to work through is, is three, there's three paragraphs. Um, yeah, it's just a, thank you, next one. Sorry, I've got too many slides, haven't I? Um, we've got um, three paragraphs here, verses two to three. Authentic peace is about maintaining peace within the ranks. It's about being garrisoned or guarded by the peace of God, and it's being indwelt by um, the God of peace. So, next slide. Thank you. Um, and I've got three paragraphs, three pictures. So, first picture for you is a shield wall. Um, so, this is how Roman soldiers fought. Um, I don't know if you can see the details there, but in those days, you weren't allowed to be left-handed. Everybody was right-handed. So you've got your shield here and your sword here, and you're standing shoulder to shoulder. And as long as you stand together and fight for each other, so you've got your sword in your right hand, you are defending the person on your right with your right hand sword. You are relying on the person on your left to defend you from that direction. And if you stand together, you can withhold a force of many, many greater numbers of soldiers who don't have a shield wall. But if two of you decide you are not going to fight for each other, if the shield wall is broken, then you all die. That's the reality. And he's be, Paul is actually using um, military languages when he talks about Euodia and Syntyche, who my fellow workers, um, who've contended at my side in the cause of the gospel. That, that's the sort of um, picture um, you, you need to have in, in mind for this. So this is not just a squabble between two sisters. The whole safety of the church depends upon this. Now, um, next slide. The early church took this very, very seriously. Next one, thank you. Um, there. Do you remember this verse? Sermon on the Mount. If you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, Leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. Now, the early church thought that very, very seriously. Notice what it says. It doesn't say, if you've got something against your sister, it says, if, you know, if he or she has got something against you, you go. Okay, so... Um, the church, um, for example, the church in Syria, second and third centuries, they began their services. Are any of you in conflict with each other? That's how they began. And the deacons who kept their ears close to the ground would say to people, go and talk to the pastor now. 
go and see him. And if the, if the matter was not too big, he would deal with it there and then. If it was a serious problem, then he would arrange a series of meetings with them until eventually this could be resolved. And until it was resolved, they could not share the Lord's Supper together. And in those days, the Lord's Supper was every week, and it was a proper meal, not just token bits of food and wine. And for some of them, that was the best meal they got all week. Um, so to be excluded from that was major. But they believed that if there was not peace within their ranks, then their worship to the Lord would not be acceptable. So it's a, it's a major, major theme um, in the church. So, so Paul, is, Paul is pleading with them uh, to be reconciled with, with, with each other. Um, some years ago, I preached in um, a town in northern Madagascar. Um, and at the end of the service, uh, the preacher had to stand at one place, and the first person coming out would shake hands with him and stand next to him. And then the next person would do that, and the next person, and the next person. And they'd form a circle. So at the end, everybody had shaken hands with everybody. They were trying to remind them, you are brothers and sisters in Christ. You are one family. The early church did something like that, but for them, it was the kiss of peace. I think that may be our next slide, or I may have gone way beyond that. Yeah, here you are. Greet one another with a holy kiss. That's in Romans. He's writing to a divided church where Jew and Gentile, rich and poor, are finding it hard to get on with each other and are looking down on each other. And he's urging them to receive one another as Christ has welcomed you. And towards the end, he says, greet one another with a holy kiss. And they would practice that. It became instinctive whenever they met a Christian. Um, a, it was a holy kiss, I should say. <laughs> they, they, had, they had rules about not doing it twice if it was pleasurable. Uh, but it was, it was greeting. <laughs> it was greeting one another the way a brother and sister would greet each other. To other people, it was, it was really repulsive. People of different class, different, different ethnicity, um, greeting each other like that. But that's what the church would do. They were a people at peace. So Paul is urging them, um, maintain um, peace um, within the ranks. Verse 3, yes, and I ask you, and there's various translations for this, loyal yoke fellow, true companion, help these women who contend at my side uh, in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers. In other words, Paul seems to be identifying one person, recognizing these two women may need help. And that is often the case if you're a loggerhead. You need somebody to mediate between you, bring you together. We don't know who this person was, um, uh, it may be simply he's a co-worker. Some people think Luke. Or it may be the Greek word Sisyphus uh, is actually his name. And he's identifying the purpose. I want you, Sisyphus, to be in action what you are in name. My loyal yoke fellow. And I've put that up, picture up because... <laughs> Um, it's not a very complimentary picture in some ways. But what, what is somebody coming in to help doing? He's coming in to bear their burdens. He's not like United Nations peacekeeping force with power and authority. He's coming in as a servant to bear their burdens for them. Um, next slide. Thank you. There's this verse in Galatians, which has really struck me recently. If someone's caught in a sin... You who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently, but watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. 
carry each other's burdens. In this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. I want you to think, how did Jesus carry our burdens? He took our sin upon himself. Are you prepared to take your brother's sister's sin upon yourself in order to help them um, to be restored? It's a very, that is a very big ask. People talk about guilt by association. Um, but that is what he's pleading of, with them to do. So that is, that is our, our first paragraph. I, I just... Church is not a place where there are never disagreements and misunderstandings. Be realistic. Church isn't like that. But church ought to be a place where there is real peace making and reconciliation that takes place. It's got to, that's got to be our reality. Um, second paragraph. I don't know where my sheet of paper is now. Um, here we are. Okay. Um, let, me, let me read those verses again, verses 47. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Okay, um, next slide, thank you. Well, we, we could spend a whole sermon or a whole series of sermons on those verses, so I'm going to have to be quick. But I tell you what, I just want to focus on how it ends, um, where it says, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard or garrison your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And it reminds me of, I don't know if you, do you know the story of Elisha at Dothan? Um, Elisha's a prophet. And um, he's got the gift of prophecy. <laughs> Every time the king of Syria attacks Israel, Israel are there, ready, waiting. They know exactly where he's going to attack. So the king of Syria says, who, who's leaking information? Who's betraying us? How does this king of Israel get this information? And they say, it's not us, Lord. It's Elisha. He knows the very things you say in your innermost room. So the king of uh, Syria thinks, right, I'm after Elisha. So he goes to Dotham, where Elisha is. Uh, Elisha wakes up the next morning with his servant and surrounding the city of Dothan is all the armies of Syria. Um, his servant says, Lord, we're done for. Elisha says, Lord, open his eyes. And he opens his eyes and he sees surrounding the army of Syria chariots and horses and fire. Um, and, you know, it's a story of how God delivered them. That, that's the sort of picture here. They are threatened by, I mean, really serious threats from outside from the Roman authorities, but they are garrisoned by the peace of God, by armies of angels. They are secure in God. Now, if that is the case, how are they going to, how are they going to, respond. Um, let me give you three quick points, very quick points. So all begin with P. One, praise. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Okay? Be united in your praise together. Praise the Lord who garrisons you. But it also must mean praise Christ and his way of peace. Um, so, you rejoice in this Lord, walk his way as well. Um, Philippi's favorite son was a guy called Alexander, who at the age of 33 had, I mean, he was the son of Philip, um, after whom F Philippi is mentioned. So he's, he's a favorite son. At the age of 33, he'd conquered most of the known world, all of Greece, 
all of Persia, down to India, Egypt. It's an astonishing record of conquests, for which he got the name Great, Alexander the Great. At the age of 33, Jesus was strung on a cross of wood because he humbled himself and took the form of a servant and was obedient even to death. Because of that, God gave him the name which is above every name, that every knee should bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. Okay? Every, uh, Philippi was a, um, a, a Roman colony um, populated by veteran soldiers who would sing songs of their heroes. Um, Philippians chapter 2, verses 6 to 9, or 6 to 11, is the hero song or the anti-hero song that the church in Philippi were to sing. The Lord who humbled himself, took the form of a servant, became a man, was obedient even to death on the cross. That is the way of peace. They are to rejoice that this is God's way of peace. So praise. I think we're a couple of slides behind. Um, which brings us to, if that is the way of peace, my, my second P is patience. It doesn't have the word here. It says, let your gentleness be evident to all. Um, but it's, um, it's the same word that's used in um, Titus 3 verse 2, which talks about don't slander anybody. Be um, peaceable, considerate, gentle towards all. So Philippi, like Crete, was a very macho environment, um, populated with veteran soldiers. And he is urging them to be of a different sort of soldier. Uh, don't slander anyone. Be peaceable. Be considerate. Gentle towards all. So I'm just, because I'm just, it begins with P, but it's that word patience, and it's the word I struggle with, <laughs> being patient with all. Okay? The Lord is near. That can mean near in terms of geography. Um, he is present with us by his spirit. But if you could see him, would you behave that way towards your sister? Would you dare? Would you dream of it? Or it could mean he is near in terms of time, ready to break in upon our world for, for that day when everything will be exposed or what was whispered um, uh, in private will be proclaimed from the housetop. The Lord is near. So be patient with everybody. And then our third pre prayer is pray. Um, pray. Um, what's it? Uh, you, um, so Mikey was urging you to pray. And he's Pray, um, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, make your requests known to God. Um, so it's very simple, isn't it? But when you're under threat, what fills your vision? The Lord or the threat? It's very easily the threat. And then we become anxious and Prayer, instead of being our first resort, can become our last resort. And it can be exactly the same in the church. So there's a threat to the church. Uh, maybe, this is what happened in Philippi, maybe Euodia said, this needs strong leadership, clear direction, and I'm the one who's going to give it. And then Syntyche said, Look at Euodia, always worried that about her. Full of herself, isn't she? It's just selfish ambition. But that could be very real. So I know a, uh, I know a situation where, which you know, it's, it's all past now, but uh, it was a church plant, and they had external funding 
that was going to be removed in two years' time. And the pastor, who was supported by this external funding, knew that in his present state, the church could not step in. So he began to change the direction um, and f of his ministry and the flavor of the church because he wanted to attract young professionals who were already believers um, who could then supplement the finances of the church. But there was an elder worried that if they went down that direction, they would cease to relate to the people, the indigenous people, they were, the church would be planted to reach. And so he began to view the pastor with great suspicion and began to oppose him in everything he did. How easy for that to happen when we focus on the problem, not the Lord. So pray. Pray about everything. You odia Sintiki, pray for each other. It's a very big step towards reconciling. Pray for each other. Pray about the um, things that you are uncomfortable about praying about. So... <laughs> when I've been in the situation of Syntyche and Euodia, um, I resist praying because I've got the very strong suspicion. You know, I can talk to other people about it. I'm sure they'll take my side, especially the way I put it across. <laughs> but talk to the Lord who actually knows the whole situation and knows my heart. And I'm anxious he's going to be saying to me, do you have a right to be angry? Do you have a right to be angry? So I don't, I don't, you know. So <laughs> pray, pray about everything. Pray about the uncomfortable things. Pray with supplication. Um, that is urgency, desperation, like Jesus praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. Take this cup from me, pleading again and again. Hebrews talks about him praying with loud cries and many tears. It's deep, you know, um, go to an African prayer meeting. Um, it's that sort, of, that sort of prayer. And specific requests, petitions. Do you know what you really want to ask for? Is this going to be pleasing to God? So pray. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will garrison your hearts and minds um, in, in Christ Jesus. It's, um, it's this, this scene again. I want to move on now from the peace of God, which is a gift he gives us, that garrisons us, that guards us, to the image of the God of peace, dwelling in us. That's our third paragraph. The peace of God was a great hope of the Old Testament. And um, so, can we go on to, yeah, there we go, there we go. I don't know if you remember this. Um, Isaiah chapter 11. I can't remember the whole thing. But it's the reign of the Messiah. And the, the wolf will lie down with the lamb and the cow and the bear. And um, a little child will lead them. And a an infant will play over the hole of a viper. And there'll be nothing to harm or destroy because the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God as the waters cover the sea. That's, that's a great hope. That's what we were singing about earlier, of heaven coming down on earth. And that was um, exhibited, next, next slide, to some extent in the church. They were already a taste of um, heaven on earth. So next, next slide again. So think of it like this. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Okay, now this is, this is not too unusual for us, hopefully. 
Although some of you remember a time not so long ago when it wasn't like this for us. But then it was radical. The closest, the closest equivalent of churches you got in those days are in, in the secular world was what they called associations where you would go. Groups of men, only men, who would meet together occasionally for a meal and sing songs together and have a great time. But they were all men of a certain social class or all men of a social certain trade. The church had women and children and old people, and they were mocked for that. And there was Jew and Gentile and um, Scythian, barbarian, uncircumcised, circumcised, um, and so on and so forth, slave and free. People who would just never associate together as a community, but there they were. And what they were doing, they are exhibiting the peace of God or the God of peace dwelling among them. Ne next slide. This is one of the early church leaders, Justin Martyr. Martyr's not really his surname. It's what happened to him, but he became known. We who hated and killed one another and would not associate with men of different tribes because of their different customs, now, after the manifestation of Christ, live together and pray for our enemies and try to persuade those who unjustly hate us. Um, so that, that's what he's talking about, the peace of God dwelling among them. Now listen, listen to what he says in this paragraph. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Now most of the time when I've heard that verse addressed, it's, it's in terms of your cultural engagement. Uh, what you watch on YouTube. What you listen, what music you listen to, make you know what books you read. Make make sure that it's noble, right, true, pure, lovely, excellent, praiseworthy. And I think that's a very valid application of that. But think of it in this context: Euodia and Syntyche, a war for each other. Euodia, how do you think of Syntyche? Are you thinking about her ego, her selfish ambition, uh, all the things that annoy you? Or are you looking at her through the eyes of Christ, this woman who is your fellow worker and your sister whose name is written in the book of life? And are you seeing all the good qualities God has given her, everything that is praiseworthy, pure, lovely, admirable. It's very hard to do that, you know. Uh, I, I only watched one debate between Boris and Jeremy Hunt. And the last question was, um, please tell us what you admire in the other person. <laughs> they couldn't do it. You know, sort of, well, I admire Boris for his decisiveness. But he never thinks before he makes a decision. <laughs> Um, um, let, let, me t let me tell you a story. I mean, it's, just, it's true. And I, um, so I mix the two, two, there's two stories together. But two people in conflict. And I went to speak to one of our um, field directors who helped me with this. Um, the person who came to me with this problem said, I, I am so deeply hurt... Um, that I am not in a position to look at this situation properly and recognize my sins and my own need of repentance. So it's a situation where two brothers were um, had become so severe, he was going to leave the church. Um, but he said, I don't want to leave on bad terms. I want to begin the process of reconciliation. So what I did with them um, was we met, a, we met in a pub and I spoke to them, both of them, beforehand. Um, and I said to them, I want you... I t when I got them together, I said, look, 
you, you, you began together as brothers, um, like this passage, contending side by side for the gospel. You valued each other. You supported each other. So I want you to tell the other person what you really admire and value in that person. We didn't do any more than that, but we did that. We paved the way for them to begin to pray for each other with rejoicing, with patience, with love, and paved the way for the day when they could be brought together and the issues could be addressed. But maybe you just got to start there. How are you looking at them? You're only seeing their faults. Or are you, sh are you seeing the great things God has done in them and the great things they, God is giving you through them? So um, I'm going I'm to leave it there. But um, authentic peace. Philippi, as I said, a Roman colony. Um, populated by veteran soldiers who'd spent their lives imposing the peace of Rome on an empire from Britain in the northeast to um, northwest to Egypt um, in, in the southeast, a huge territory. And Rome boasted that it brought peace to the world. But what sort of peace? Peace with a sword, peace with enslavement, peace with crucifixion, peace that gave peace to um, the elite of two or three percent and made everybody else subject to them. The church is exhibiting a different sort of peace, but it can only do that if it is making peace within. So, brothers, sisters, be at peace with each other. And the God of peace be with you. Join us next time for more of God's truth to transform your reality.